0: Welcome to the Outdoor Panel Podcast, where we talk about chasing critters, catching fish, of course hunting and fishing stories, and a lot of BSing.
1: There's like a beast. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Uh, oh. That's
2: nice eye. Yeah. That was a fast hunt. Holy
1: cow.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Hunting Panel Podcast. Have a really good episode for you guys today. Today we are going to be talking about all things wild game cooking. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite cookbooks along with uh, some YouTube channels that help us cook our wild game along with uh, some of our favorite recipes. Let's dive into the episode right now. My favorite cookbook is the Hank Shaw cookbook been heavy heavy publicized on uh randy newberg's channel i know that much he's cooked for randy out in uh when they do their arizona coos deer hunt along with the small game hunt that's the only wild game cookbook that i have and uh it's pretty phenomenal it has pretty much the the cookbook i have is buck buck moose he has a series of them like uh, pheasant quail cottontail and he has uh another one i don't remember what it was but i just have the buck buck moose and yeah, i do duck
3: duck, duck, duck goose is his third one
0: Uh duck duck goose um yeah. and basically i just go through whatever cut of meat that i want look up a recipe that he has and just use the recipe in it in, in the cookbook that i that i choose from, and. Usually all the recipes are pretty good. I don't think I've had a bad one yet. So that's really the only cookbook I use. How about you guys?
3: Yeah, I got, I have that one also, the Buck Buck Moves. can't remember if I got another one of his or not. I don't think so. I think I've been looking at it. Uh, on top of that one, I have uh, the Meat Eater Cookbook, which I thought was really good. Um His recipe seemed a little more complex. Like you had like a lot of other like weird ingredients to go with it. But a good part about that book is it actually teaches you how to break down the game too, which I thought was pretty useful. Uh, Another of my go to, they're actually older ones. Um, I got them from, I was actually a member of the North America hunting club at one point. And part of like their trial thing is like, they sent me this whole library of books on all different animals and two of them were cookbooks. And I actually got a couple of good recipes from them. What I like about that one was they were, uh, the recipes they used were like self, uh, like I'm not going to say like normal, like they were just like the average deal guy. Like they submitted recipes and they picked them out. So it would be like you or me submitted a recipe to the book club. And that's what they used. So I find those there a lot more like that home cook feel you know, a little bit more basic. And then I say I, my other go to is would be Kent Rollins, which he's a big cast iron cook. And a lot of his stuff is, is beef based, but I found like you anything that calls for ground beef or a beef roast or anything like that you can easily substitute venison into no problem i say those are like uh, my go-to cookbooks
0: nice nice no I've been interested in that mediator one for sure um but instead I have two of these Hank Shaw cookbooks <laughs> I just thought it was so good I bought two so I can share recipes with people and just leave them the cookbook if they want and I loan them out so all right Tonson you got any cookbooks yeah.
1: I just I have the Hank Shaw Buck Buck Moose and uh, I mean I I bought that I think you guys were telling me about it so uh, but then I I also have that meat eater one that Bud was talking about because uh, I I used that to help me break down my deer this year but uh, yeah it looked like there were some decent recipes in there so yeah. that's much it for me otherwise I'm I'm kind of if if I have something that I want to cook I'm I'll be looking online uh yeah Yeah. google is your friend yeah
0: Yeah. i will throw out an honorable mention it's not a cookbook or anything but uh the Sportsman sportsman's nation with dan johnson uh he's come out with like three recipes so far and i've tried a couple of them it's like more like you're on the go throw something cooked together that's going to take less than like 20 minutes and uh yeah, all of his recipes that I've tried so far on the Sportsman's Nation have been very good. So,
3: yeah, he was kind of like starting that little series on YouTube. And I really, I mean, I don't know if he was just not getting the following on it or if he just ran out of time, but it seemed like it kind of fizzed out. But I really liked it. He had those couple of recipes where he was just doing it step by step, you know. And that's a big thing. Like Kent Rollins, I follow him and he drops one or two recipes a week and it's, I don't, it's one thing to read it in a book or read it on the computer, but like just watching them make it and stuff, it kind of just, it really lets me see like what's entailed in actually making it. Yeah. I find that really helpful.
0: No, no. And I, I like Dan J- Johnson, the way he was going about it, because like often oftentimes like when when I'm using cookbooks, it's more of a elaborate, elegant type style of cooking where like, if I just want to cook something up that I'd cook like in my daily life, that's that's what I like that for. Something where you're not like you need like 20 ingredients just to make something. So yeah. Yep. Which I really liked. So <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I guess if you guys don't have anything else, we could get into some of our favorite recipes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, before we move on, do you, do you have like a, a fish recipe cookbook at all, Bud? I know you're pretty a little bit more hardcore than uh
3: As far as like fish recipes, I'm
0: more I'm very basic with my
3: fish. You know, it's I don't do. I actually got one recipe offline this week that I'm going to be doing with some salmon that Andy gave me because he's got salmon coming out of his butt right now of that charter. So and that one that one's it, it intrigues me because it's uh you see so much salmon it's like cedar plank or the brown sugar glaze and stuff like that. And I'm like that's just every freaking salmon I want something different. This one is actually I can't remember it's not like a a honey glaze or brown sugar. It's got a different glaze. I think it's like a pepper glaze. And then you make a citrus salsa to go with it.
0: Ooh, that so, sounds legit. Yeah.
3: Sounds really I, I'm, legit. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to try that one. That one's going to be on next week's menu. Nice. But then as far as that, I mean, it's my fish. I don't really have a cookbook. I mean, I, I made up my own breading that I really like. You know, it's got a wet batter. And I found with fish, when, when it comes to, it all depends on kind of you're doing with it. If you're just doing a normal fish fry, I found the best way to do it is you need a wet batter and then a good breading. And I, I kind of, I spiced it up like I do breadcrumb, crumb, uh, sometimes panko mixed with the flour, just to give it a little bit more crunch. You know, and then I, I doctored up with some garlic powder, or hunters blend seasoning, you know, some paprika, just to give it a little depth. You know, yeah, but if I'd... I'm doing... I'm doing just like a white, white flaky fish, I mean, nothing's better. I just do like a, a lemon pepper seasoning, and then I'll just bake it in the oven, something like that.
0: Yeah, I've tried your batter recipe and with the breading, and that was that was really good. Lisa was pretty satisfied with it too. So, All yeah, great right. Right on. Um, well, I guess that's kind of our fish talk. <laughs> we can get into. Yeah. Some more of the the wild game type recipe that we got going on here. So I'll lead us off, cause uh, so this is something from the Hank Shaw uh, cookbook, buck buck moose, and my favorite recipe is uh, his barbacoa recipe. Um, it's it's a roast recipe, and I honestly wasn't like a huge roast fan when I first uh, started cooking venison. And this recipe has made my favorite cut of meat, the roast. Like, I absolutely love the roast. And uh, my favorite thing about it is it's a super simple recipe. Um, basically, you just need a two to three pound uh, venison roast. Um, you let it thaw out. You put uh, two to four cans of chipotles, depending on how spicy you want. Uh, red onion, garlic cloves. Uh, Bay leaves, paprika, cumin, cloves, salt, lime juice, apple cider vinegar, and uh, one quart of beef or venison stock, and a little bit bit of vegetable oil. And basically, all you do is dump it into a Dutch oven, let it sit for, uh, if it's a young deer, three hours. If it's an older deer, six hours. And I'll tell you what, I've never had a tender type roast you pull it apart and you you serve it like a taco You you put it um in some sort of tortilla shell and you know you add your cheese cilantro whatever you want to add to to that uh taco type deal and it is absolutely phenomenal and if you guys have not tried it i highly recommend you try it so that's my first right. recipe it's it doesn't get much simpler than that so
1: yeah, that's that's one that's that's been on the list for me that uh, I've been kind of waiting on getting together. So that sounds good.
0: Yeah, and the best part about it, it's one of those recipes that I mean, I can literally eat that for a week and a half, so yeah. And it heats up just fine in a microwave too, so it's phenomenal. Yeah.
3: And yeah, you, you made it, you made it for that trip down to Iowa and that was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal, and um, I don't know. I don't have a, anything else when it comes to that recipe. It's delicious. <laughs> so, what's go next?
2: Yeah, uh, i do I my
1: thing. So. Oh, go ahead, bud. Go ahead, Thompson. I already uh, talked once today. <laughs> no, so uh, I, I mean, I do quite a bit of goose hunting and. I know at least a lot of the people that I goose hunt with or people that I know that goose hunt they they don't really like Canada goose but uh I have I've been kind of tinkering around with something and um basically I just take uh, cuz our, our limit in Illinois for a long time was 4 or 2 2 geese so I would just take like the goose breast out of two 2 geese so that's four I always soak uh my goose meat in water um and uh I'll do that for probably six hours to overnight and just kind of change out the water here and there. So it gets the blood out just cause it's the meat's so dark with that, uh, blood. And then, uh, I cut it into strips and then, uh, the marinade I do, I'll take like, uh, about a cup and a half of soy sauce, three tablespoons of hoisin sauce, and then I'll use some, uh, fresh, um, like minced up garlic, and uh, then uh, some minced up cilantro and I mix that all together. Um, and then uh, throw it kind of in a uh, a vacuum seal bag, and then I'll let that sit overnight. And uh, I'll either grill it or air fry it, uh, air it, I usually just do it like on 400 for about like eight minutes. And uh, those if the if the strips are pretty thin, that's all you need it I mean just I, I don't like to eat uh, goose anything, but like close to well done just because of that, that blood flavor. But then I either eat it just kind of like as an appetizer or I'll throw, throw it over some rice and eat it like that too. But um, I mean, that's I, I've been kind of fooling around with goose, and that's something that uh, my daughter and my girlfriend both really like. Um, it's good flavor, so works out pretty well.
0: Yeah, the only goose I've ever had is when Bud and Andy have their goose sticks. I'm not sure. If, do you guys do anything besides the goose sticks?
3: Uh, when, I, when I hunted with them, that's all we did because we never really had a good recipe for cooking them. So that was our way of using it. You know, just put a bunch of spices with it and smoke the crap out of it and then it tastes good. But even those hot sticks, like they, they have a different flavor than uh, a normal beef stick or ham stick, medicine stick. Um, but yeah, we'd always, it was just hard to find uh, a good recipe. And then the way we hunted, it was just kind of hard to like give you up. Because like, we always had a group, you know, in hunt you hunt waterfall, most of time you're hunting a group and we we kind of just we set a you know the stipulations out early in the year that hey we're always going to be hunting together we just pulled all the meat together there really wasn't a time where the guy would take one bird or he wanted his two birds or something like that so it's just kind of the ground rules that we set early in the season um We never would shy away from it. If a guy wanted to grab one, we'd let him grab one. We weren't being a stickler of it. we just be like, all right, you know, we kind of kept a tally and be like, all right, when we go to divvy up the hot sticks, then you're, you know, you get, you know, one less package or something like that compared to everybody else. Gotcha. Yeah, we we treated it as a group hunt where like, it didn't matter how many birds you actually shot. I mean, you might've just be the worst shot in the world and never even shot a bird but seeing you're out there every week hunting with us, you end up, you still got an equal cut. Gotcha. So.
0: So Thompson, you said you cook it, you want to make sure it's well cooked then like.
1: That's just the way I like it. Anything, I know people who will eat Canada goose like medium, medium rare. I just, okay. I don't like it when it's like that. So I always, I tend to make sure that that's cooked all the way through if I'm gonna eat it.
0: Okay. I like I have never cooked a goose so I I don't know I I'm not sure you know if they're like uh, your typical poultry like where you better make sure you cook it they're they're different okay
1: I, it, it's I mean I think they're okay um, because I know it, it's pretty similar to like ducks I know people eat like the the duck uh, duck breast pretty pretty rare in a lot of uh, cases so. Um, like I said, I know, I know people who will take, you know, Canada goose meat and like a breast and cook it to like medium rare-ish and, and eat it like that. So I just, the, the flavor to me is not, it's not there. So, and I, I soak shit out of it. Like I I make sure it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's the outside layer is pretty white by the time I'm done soaking it. All right.
0: It's good to know in case I ever ever shoot a goose or a duck or anything like that so cool right on something a little bit different all right bud you are up
3: i'll start i got a couple of recipes but i'll start my most basic recipe and probably my favorite venison is going to be the backstrap. that's my favorite cut um i like all venison but like that's my like when i shoot a deer outside the heart I'm doing a backstrap or an inner loin, but I do it super basic. I uh, heat up a cast iron pan. I'll take you know a chunk of loin. I don't slice it up or anything. Like the backstrap, I'll cut into like three equal pieces, and that's it for my cutting. I'll drizzle some olive oil on it, a little bit of salt, some pepper, uh, some rosemary, either fresh or dried, whatever I got laying around. Um, you know, kind of just look to the, my spice cabinet or whatever I got. I kind of do a lot of earthy stuff, so maybe some thyme, sage, kind of whatever I'm feeling that night. You know, then it's just matter I throw in the cast iron, and, and I'm running a hotter cast iron to like that medium pie. But what I'm doing is I'm just constantly rolling it, and I'm just getting a good sear on the outside as fast as I can. Then I'll take my instant read and I'm just cooking it till it's like 130, 135. As soon as it hits that, I pull it off, I'll tent it for a little bit and that's about it. Make up some some garlic mash, put next to it and that's about as simple as I can get, but it's like my absolute favorite recipe I can do.
0: Okay, so are you using uh, butter in the cast iron pan at all or oil or anything like that?
3: Well, if Eric's eating it, then I use oil. If Eric's not eating it, then it's about a stick of butter. I, I much prefer the stick of butter because before I put the, the venison in, I'll do up an onion in there too. So I actually get like a butter, onion, you know, and then if I got some minced garlic, I'll throw that in there. That way my actual butter itself is like onion garlic butter and that's what I'm searing it in. But if Eric eats it, then it's a rough week for him. So then I, I'll, I'll cut back and I'll just do it in some oil.
0: Yeah, a little
3: bit, a little bit of olive oil or something.
0: Yeah, even the oil kicks my butt, dude. That's why my backstraps. Whenever I have to cook them, I gotta like straight up grill them. I, ah, my guts. (laughs) Hey, but
3: but you've eaten it. Is it not phenomenal?
0: Yeah, it's great. It's very good. (laughs) I've (laughs) enjoyed every time Bud has cooked uh, venison backstrap. So we just gotta get him some backstrap to cook. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, so.
3: I think i've i've limped through i think amanda said i have one chunk left yeah that Isn't i've it? managed to manage to last a year and a half
0: kind of just funny. buried
3: it in buried it in the freezer so i would forget about it and then
0: that's like when i shot my buck a couple of years ago like the meat slowly slowly went away like I, and i i was able to ration it for over two years but now that I got a ton of meat, now I'm just flying right through it again. So, yeah. So, I don't know. We, I know I have a lot of requests, and, and I, Bud has some requests to shoot the crap out of deer next year. So, we have uh, stock freezers for a lot of people, especially with the price of meat. The demand yeah. for me to shoot deer is getting a lot higher and a lot higher.
3: <laughs> I'm going to start telling these people, fine, find me a farmer with crop damage tags and I can go out with a rifle in
0: like September or August. Yeah, I know. That's what a lot of people don't realize is those, uh, those tags. You can look them up. You can actually look the farmer up on the DNR's website and they yeah. like, have a quota. And you can actually buy summer tags and stuff for that throughout the summer to hunt in Wisconsin. A lot of people don't know about that program, so yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll share my next recipe. Um, I'm sure everybody has their own variation of venison chili, but once again I'm pulling from the Hank Shaw cookbook and uh his venison chili. Um it's a little bit different than uh typical chili. So obviously in chili you're gonna have uh beans. And then after that, uh yeah, you put some sort of chili. Um the ones that he has has listed is dry ancho. Yeah, Gaiello, Pasiel, Pasio. Hi, I can't. I can't speak Spanish at all. So, yeah. So, some sort of chili. Then, uh, some bacon or chorizo you can put in it. Uh, Onion, garlic. uh, Two to three pounds of ground venison, paprika, cumin, coriander, tomato paste. Um, two large tomatoes. Uh, some coffee and uh, molasses and some venison broth and some salt and whatever you want to garnish it. So I don't know. The wh- reason I like that recipe is because a lot of the same ingredients overlap between the barbacoa and venison. So our venison chili. So that's why I like it. Similar ch- taste. It has a Mexican uh, or uh, Central American type feel for, for this chili. I really like Central American and Uh, Mexican food so this is right up my alley and it tastes pretty good. Uh, Bud you had this chili a couple years ago on our snowy hunt in uh, mid-October what did you think of it?
3: It was good it was a solid chili yeah and I find the best part about chilies is you make it once and they're very easy to adapt into your own. That's the one thing I love about chilies and like I have, I have my chili recipe too. Um, I'm going to share that one and that one. I do have modifications that I made to it. Not huge modifications, but kind of just more to my style. But uh, I mean, it's every chili. I've had a lot of bad chilies, but that one there, that's a good solid chili. I liked it.
0: Yeah. Like Bud says, I, I add a little bit more spice than what he recommends because I like a little bit spicier chili, so um, yeah, that that's that's what I got cooking. Uh Tonson, round Robin back to you, buddy.
1: All right, yeah. So uh, my kid just is uh she loves ramen, you know, the package ramen or whatever. So I, uh, I I found a recipe and I kind of tweaked it a little bit to uh, fit her. Uh, like how she likes things a little bit, but uh, it's just, I I just use uh, ground venison with it. Um, I usually just throw a pound, like I'll take a pound of venison and um, uh, about a half an onion. I kind of chop that up and then I'll, uh, I'll brown the venison with the onion uh, like that. And uh, right when it's kind of like ready, like the, I'll throw, like uh, just some minced garlic on it. I don't know, two or three cloves, it just kind of depends. Um, but the sauce I use, um, I'll mix it all together. It's just some soy sauce about, uh, that's what I use the most of, a cup and a half. And then, um, let see, about four tablespoons of hoisin sauce. I always end up adding a little bit more hoisin sauce as I'm cooking it. And then uh, about, one tablespoon of oyster sauce, which it smells horrible, but it actually like the flavor is pretty outstanding when it's all mixed together. Um, yep. So after I get it browned, I'll just throw the sauce in there and then bring it up to a boil. And after it hits a boil, I'll put it down to low and just kind of let it simmer there for a while and uh, wait till it, it kind of you know evaporates out of there a little bit. And uh, I, you know, just however much ramen noodles you want. You know, I, I usually just make about a package for each of us, and it's just the basic ramen. And then uh, I'll just take that, put it in a bowl, you know, and then uh, put the meat over the top. And I like to put a little bit of a, like, fresh chopped green onion on top, but something my kid goes crazy for, and it's got some good flavor to it, so.
0: Yeah, that sounds like more of an Asian-inspired dish. That sounds great. Freaking- yeah,
1: yeah.
3: And I missed it. What, what type of, uh, you were using a venison, but like what were you doing ground or like cube? Or? Yeah,
1: I, I just do ground venison. I, I've been meaning to, um, maybe try something different, uh, try a different cut on there. Cause I think, uh, maybe like, I, I don't really want to use backstrap, but I think backstrap would be a good, good, uh, uh, substitute for the ground on there. Um, maybe cook like medium rare and then just throw the sauce on after it's it's cooked. So, but- yeah, I, You I could easily,
3: I think you could use kind of even like a round steak cut. You just cut, you know, like cube it up to like the half inch cube, put a fast sear on it to medium rare. I think that'd yeah. be good on it. But yeah, yeah. if you could, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing that, I would like to try that that recipe. Yeah, definitely. If you want, if you want to write it down and and share it to the group. Yeah, that's one thing. Like I think a lot of you don't. I know that they're out there, but yeah, that Asian inspired. My wife loves Chinese food and stuff like that, and I don't. I I don't. It's not a favorite cuisine of myself. When she wants Chinese, I get my sweet and sour chicken and white rice. (laughs) If I'm feeling spontaneous, I'll get the fried rice, you know. But no, I think, yeah, that's something that, yeah, it gives that little Asian thing, but, you know, it'll give us it something different to do with your deer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds pretty freaking legit.
2: And it's simple, it's basic. Yeah. It, is. it doesn't take very long at all. So, yep. all right. Bud, you're up next. Uh.
3: Well, Eric did his chili recipe. I'll kind of throw mine out there. One thing I like about mine is it makes a lot. Like, I don't know how much how much beef, how much uh, ground do you use in yours, Eric?
0: Ah, uh, two to three pounds.
3: Okay. So it, it, ours is about the same size. Yeah, mine calls for, for three pounds. Yeah, and I do, uh, it's got like three onions in it. The original recipe just called for two medium green peppers. I do that but then I throw in one jalapeno um, with the seeds and everything that'll give me a little bit extra heat. And then I do a poblano or a poblano pepper too. And I'm a big fan of those peppers, like outside of just a normal green pepper. I thought they're not hot, but I think they add a lot of the pepper flavor. And then you got some celery in it. Then you got some bacon fat, tomato, parsley, You know, chili powder, salt, pepper, garlic powder. And then it does two jars uh, or two cans of kidney beans. And I'll do one mild and then one spicy. That's one of the changes I made to it. Just to give it another little kick up. And then a can of pinto beans. And yeah, you kind of, you brown up the meat. Then you do all your vegetables. Can you just throw it all into a Dutch oven, put it on the stove for however, I mean, and I found... It's it's definitely one of those chilies where. It says to simmer for an hour. And then you uncook or you uncover it for 30 minutes. But man, I thought if you cook it for like three hours, you really simmer it down. Oh, you get that super nice, dark, thick chili. And yeah, that's that's my jam. And I just love how, how much it makes because we we have that meal. And if I'm not giving it out to anybody, I can probably I can you know, put it up in, uh, you know, Tupperware and freeze it, and I'll probably have like, three more meals out of that batch.
0: Yeah. You know, for the fast, easy meals. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I uh, made my mom some chili and some barbacoa that I'm going to bring home next time I'm home for, and that's the cool thing about those recipes. And something that I do a little bit different in my chili, too, I add some green chilies to it, so something a little bit different. So, so yeah, but that—
1: With your ground venison, are are you guys having any like fat or anything added, or are you just doing straight venison?
3: Uh, I've had it both. I've had it both ways. I have an uncle that's a meat processor, and when he grinds it, if I want him to, he will add beef fat to it, and I think it's only ten percent by weight. And then when I've done burger for Eric. And when he had it grounded at a place, they gave us the option, but Eric, yeah, he doesn't add any fat to it. And the last batch that I ground up for him, I didn't add any fat. <clears throat> and taste-wise, you, I really didn't notice a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things and, I don't know, it, it's give or take, some guys swear that they need the fat in it, but most of the time when you're cooking these recipes, you're draining the fat off anyway. That's yeah. one of my favorite parts about cooking with ground venison is you don't have to deal with that skimming the fat off and draining the fat.
0: Yeah. Something yeah. I, I learned a lot of guys complain about, you know, they have that fat in there to hold the burger together. One thing that I've learned is if you just take your time and let the meat thaw, like, throughout an entire day, it's a lot easier. The meat holds together a lot better. Say if you thaw the meat in a lot quicker pattern or fashion. If you're doing the
3: microwave or something like
0: that, versus letting it sit out all day. Yeah, then the meat doesn't hold as good together. So,
3: and when I when I do most time, if I make yeah, if I'm like making burgers or making meatloaf, then I just add a binder to it. You know, whether like I'll throw in like an egg, you know, or some you know, smashed up cracker or something like that. And, you know, and that's, you know, bread crumb, Breadcrumbs are phenomenal because they're already smashed up a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, but I do a lot of stuff like that to act as my binder, like hold it together. Or bacon, you know, because bacon's always good with everything. <laughs> bacon God. makes
0: everything better. I agree with you there. All right, I'll do one more recipe. Uh, so this, we'll get off the venison track on this one. Um, so I'm going to talk about, uh, turkey breast on my wild turkey, um, and this is something a little bit, it's an easy recipe. So all you need is a turkey breast, cube it up, dice it up however you want in the small one by one inch cubes or whatever. And, uh, all you basically have to do is, um, put some vegetable oil or some, some cheap oil on the um, turkey turkey breast cubes and get some chicken and a biscuit crackers and you just crunch it up, crunch it up to like, where they're almost like a, uh, a grainy type substance. Uh, yeah, grainy type uh, consistency to them. You put the um, turkey in that cracker mix. Throw it in a cast iron pan with a little bit of oil, and it's like kind of a deep fry, and it tastes really freaking good. Super simple, super easy. Yeah, that's uh, that's my last recipe. So, literally, you need two ing- well, three ingredients, a turkey breast, oil, and uh, some, uh, what are those crackers? Chicken and biscuit Chick- crackers. Yeah, you doing you doing like any salt, pepper, even on it or not? No, no, because the cracker itself flavors flavors the breading and everything. It's super super simple, so it's really good. Lisa liked it. I was, I, <laughs> it's three ingredients, it takes five minutes to cook. Yeah, awesome. So, yep. Tonson?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I just I got one more. Uh... I mean, it's just basically a cheeseburger, but I mean, I, I'll just take, uh I like having a lot of like big thick burgers. So I, I usually use like two pounds of the ground venison and then I'll add a half a pound of bacon. I always cook it up uh, in the oven before uh, putting the burgers together uh, just to get the bacon a little bit crispy. Um, so I'll take like a half a pound of bacon, chop it up, and then I'll take, about half of the bacon grease from cooking the bacon and I'll mix the bacon with the grease and the burger and mix it all together and then just throw some like garlic salt and onion, onion salt in there and uh, mix that all up. I, I do add a little bit of soy sauce. Um, I like that flavor with, with my burger. I, I love soy sauce. So I put it in just, about <laughs> <everything>. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then, you know, I'll make the, make the burger up and then just salt and pepper, you know, on the outside and grill it to, uh, you know, like medium, medium rare. And uh, I, I love pretzel bun, so it's always going on a pretzel bun over here. So, but I, I just, I, I don't know. All those flavors together really do it for me. So,
0: Sounds like a super simple recipe too.
1: Yeah. So,
0: all right, right on, right on. Bud, want to wrap up our recipes?
3: Sure. This one's more of a hearty home cook, and this is our our go-to venison pot pie recipe. And yeah, pretty much your basics. You got butter, flour. Uh, you're gonna need some beef broth and some milk, and then we do some beef bouillon cubes too. And then we get we just we cheap out, do simple. We just buy the pre-made Pie crust because it's simple. You get the two packs, so then you got the bottom and you got the top. I mean, you could easily, if you got a good pie crust recipe, feel free. And we do uh, one pound of stew meat. And then to keep it simple, we buy just a bag of the mixed frozen vegetables. You get like the peas, the corn, the carrots in it. Then you do, we do Yukon potatoes. You need a cup of that cubed up, you know, a little three eighths to half inch cubes and an onion. And then, yeah, it's just, you cook your vegetables, your potatoes till they're tender. Then we you take that off, cook your venison. As you're cooking that, you're doing a quarter cup of flour to, I don't know what that does. You're kind of like pulling out the, some of the moisture out of it, I am guess. Cook that, you know, you don't want to cook it too far because it's going to end up baking for an hour. You're kind of just browning up the outside. Pull that off. Then you still got all the juice in there. Then you add your butter, the rest of your flour, all the broth, the milk, and the bouillon cubes. You're pretty much just making a gravy with all that. Let it simmer down. Then you're going to add all your veggies and then the meat and onions, all that to the pie crust. And then you could put the gravy over the top of it. Top it with the second crust. You take that it up egg, brush it over the top, throw it in the oven for 45 minutes. Nice and simple. Phenomenal. Yeah. And if I remember right, I believe this recipe, what I said, it's actually enough to make two pies. So you actually need four pie crusts to make it, if I remember right. I don't think you can fit everything in one pie crust. Because I think whenever we make it, we make all the innards and then we'll make one pie because that's enough for us. And then we take all the innards, freeze them. And then whenever we want to pie again, we just need to buy the pie crust. And then we just dump the innards in and we bake it. You know, it's nice and simple that way. We seem to have a lot of recipes like that where we get enough for a couple meals out of it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. I always love it when Amanda makes that recipe, so. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was pretty cool. You shared through different recipes. Some of them a little bit more challenging, and some a lot more easy. So, yeah. So now I got a "Would you rather" question.
3: Or it's I got the, I got the "Would you rather." I told you I had the "Would you rather" so already.
0: Maybe we'll do a bonus "Would you rather."
3: All right.
0: The, the, this one will be quick. So, uh, you shoot a deer. We'll call it a take take your pick. What if you had to eat one cut the rest of your life off a deer,
2: what cut of meat are you going with? I'm probably like I'm,
1: I Oh uh, I'd I'd go back strap. Um I just I love like steak and um I mean, I, 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 I had been getting it done at a processor and, uh, they always did, uh, like butterfly on the backstrap, but, um, the last two deer I've gotten, I've, I've just left the backstrap whole and I definitely like cooking it whole a lot better. But I think, uh, uh, this year off, off my first year or whatever, we did, uh, crab legs and, and, uh, backstrap, uh, <laughs> right after the new year. so. It's just the the flavor and everything, and I I I, if I could live off steak, I would. But that's uh that that'd be it for me. All right, right on.
2: All right, bud. So I I like
3: Tonson's answer, and as far as flavor wise, and my favorite cut. Yes, the back strap is my favorite. But now if that's you if I can only have one cut for the rest of my life, I'm gonna end up I'm gonna take a cut one of the smaller chunks of meat off a rear quarter. Just for the simple fact that I could probably take that cut and if if I marinate it right, I can have steaks. If I want ground, I can ground it or grind it. And if I want stew or roast, I can take it for stew or roast. At least I'll have all my versatility left because, man, if I took a backstrap and I ground it in a burger just for a recipe, (laughs) man, it tastes phenomenal, but, man, I'd feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) So just for versatility, excuse me, for versatility, I would take something off off the hind quarter.
0: Uh, for me, I'm going to go with that inner loin. I think I could have that every night the rest of my life. (laughs) That's just so freaking good. That delicate, tender tasting inner loin. Oh, that's phenomenal. That's, that's what I got. So, bud, your turn.
3: All right. Well, I'm going to throw it because we got time yet. So back on I'm going to split this up a little bit. If you guys could only have one kitchen utensil, that you'd say like you live or die by, you have to have if somebody's new to cooking, you have to have this. Some sort of cooking equipment. What would you tell them to have?
2: That's and exactly. you can't say, you can't say like pots and pans or something like that or a spoon or you could it it
3: has to be specific like you could say like you have to have a cast iron skillet or you have to have a dutch oven or those are just some examples
0: okay i'm i'm good to go i'll go with the dutch oven the reason i say dutch oven because you can uh i've cooked chili in it I've cooked uh, barbecue in it. I think you could get away with cooking steaks on it on the on the stovetop. You can use it similar to a cast iron pan, I believe. Just yeah. heat it up high enough. You um, could
3: deep fry. You could deep fry fish in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, Dutch oven. I'm going with that. That's hard to beat. It's it's very versatile. I'm happy I got one finally.
1: Uh, I guess um, um, we we got this ninja foodie, and it I mean, it's an air fryer. it's it, it's a rice cooker. it's uh, but uh, i mean it, I, i've I've done a bunch of different things in the air fryer, like from cooking like like steak to like frying up, you know um, like fish and stuff like that. and it just I don't know what it what it is, but if I had if I only had one thing, I mean that, that thing does it all. So I know that's kind of a cheap way out, but
0: <laughs> so we got a Dutch oven, a ninja air fryer type thing. All right. Bud.
3: Fine. Is it instant read thermometer? Oh yeah. Yeah,
2: that's a good one.
3: Is one, like deep frying fish, I mean, you got to know what your oil is at. That's so fucking important. And two, like, now cooking meat, like, I think so many people get turned away from venison is because it gets overcooked. I don't care what kind of steak you you like. If you like well-done beef steak, fine. You do a well-done venison, I'm sorry, man, nobody's going to fucking like it.
0: <laughs> nope.
3: I mean venison. You, I, I have, I've cooked venison and I've, I've, I've gone to like I've lost track of it and it's gone up to medium. Oh man, it's totally freaking different than when you stop it at that medium rare. So yeah, it's that is so valuable to me. You know, as far as stopping that, and then as far as uh, a health thing, you look at guys cooking bear. Well, now it's a whole different story. You got to cook it. You got to cook bear well done, you know, because they might have trigonosis. Yep. Now you're talking. Degrees,
0: not, huh? 165 degrees.
3: Yeah. You know. So now you're talking a health thing. You know. So you got to make sure that that cut of meat is is cooked well done. So now uh, that's, yeah, that's you're not going to die from it, but from uh, Steve Ranelle went through it. He did his whole story on it in podcast. I mean that's you know, him and his whole freaking crew, I guess. But man, they that, but what they went through, man, that sounded like fucking hell.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I wish I, I, I had one for like when I cooked my turkey and whatnot.
3: Yeah, you know, it's up to it's. It's so simple. I mean, and you can. It's a wide range. I mean, you can you can spend five dollars on one, and you can spend a hundred dollars on one. I think mine's like twenty bucks or something like that. It not fancy. Uh, one thing I one thing I learned about it is uh, if your kid is playing with it, and then you go to use it, make sure he didn't switch.
2: Oh man, make sure your kid didn't switch it to Celsius.
3: That's what you got, because uh, I ran into that with mine. I was frying up some fish. And he switched over to Celsius on me, and I didn't realize this. So I'm checking the oil, checking the oil, checking the oil. I'm like, man, this oil is just not freaking heating up on me. Like, it's only reading, like, 180. I'm like, man. It's like, well, pretty soon it started smoking, and then pretty soon I had a fireball in my kitchen. (laughs) Because I finally hit the flashpoint of the oil. Oh wow so that is my one main tip on instant read thermometers when you're using it make sure well hey maybe we got some guys across the sea and that's what they based it off of so yeah but now if you're in america and you base all your stuff off fahrenheit make sure your instant read is on the f yeah no i got that
0: because
3: yeah that was because i ended up i ended up yeah i had a That whole freaking cast iron pan filled up with baking soda. And I tell you what, that makes a mess out of your freaking cast iron. It literally turns it into a giant brick of, I don't even know how to describe it. I went out there, I had to chip everything out of it. That cast iron, I ended up having to go make a fire in my fire pit and threw the pan in the fire overnight on hot coals to strip. Everything off the cast iron and restarted that pan from scratch with seasoning and all that. It was definitely a lesson learned for me.
0: Jesus. Sounds like a nightmare.
3: Hey, I mean, I got a couple burn marks in the ceiling. It's fine. You know,
0: at least the story. The house. It's down a story.
3: Fast. Yeah, I didn't burn the house down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All
3: right. All right. Have- so now I'll do my oh. my would you rather. Would you rather cook in a top of the line kitchen. You have all the gadgets, the fancy stove, your Ninja food Ninja air fryer, all this, you know, the all the fancy kitchen aids, whatever pans, the stuff you wanted. Or would you rather cook Chuck Wagon style? Outdoors, over a campfire, using cast iron, stuff like
0: that. That one's an easy one for me. Outdoors in a camp, whether it's a Coleman stove or over an open flame, man, you can't beat it. You just cannot beat that. You cannot replicate when it's 20 degrees outside and you get that unseasoned hunk of meat. It just tastes better. It just tastes better.
1: Uh, I, I guess I'd agree with you, Eric. I, I, uh, I, 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 I much prefer being outdoors and and uh, doing things out there. So, uh, cooking over a fire is always a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's where I'd go with it too.
3: Yeah, I I got some experience. I mean, I I cooked in the kitchen for for five years. I had all the fun stuff, whatever I wanted, whenever I needed it. And it's fun cooking. I mean, it's everything you want. You got you got the high tech gizmos, this convection ovens. But I tell you what, though, cooking outdoors it's something it's something different. It's I don't know if it's just the atmosphere or what, but everything tastes better. I mean, who knew a a morning dove cooked on a stick with salt and pepper would taste so good, right, Eric?
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely tremendous. It was freaking phenomenal. Like, yeah, every time I go camping, the food tastes better. Like when me and Lisa are up in the Northwoods or me and Butter up in the Northwoods or wherever the hell you're at, freaking hunting in North Dakota by myself, Hunting in Nebraska, yeah, you can't, you can't replicate it. You cannot replicate that. Even shore lunches for fishing, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not like a huge fish guy, but when I've done my shore lunches, like, it's the greatest thing in the world. Like with cast iron and some potatoes, like simple great I don't yeah. know and just look at our booyah in the boat I don't know for some reason it tasted better Yep. Yeah. yeah that was phenomenal during gun season <laughs> well folks that's gonna wrap up this week's episode hopefully you learned a couple tips or a couple recipes from this week's episode go ahead and check us out on our YouTube channel Red Bearded Predators and along with rob at the buck psych youtube channel um, got a lot of good stuff coming for you guys this spring thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week